1: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher Sean Callahan. Hello,
2: and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan on a Nate Klaus. Hope everybody had a good, happy Fourth of July weekend. I know. I stayed up late a few nights and had some fun and um, lit off some fireworks with the kids, and um, now it's back at it. And, guys, as we sit here and, and you know, approaching um, really the middle of July now, we still don't have a plan or an idea of of what this season is going to be, what it's going to look like as far as the schedule goes. I think we've learned, though, that there has definitely been a lot of chatter behind the scenes with the Big Ten Conference and coaches and athletic directors. And, you know, last week we discussed... Let's just say the Big Ten walked away from the season and forced teams into a regional model. Well, now I think the the new theory or thought going around is a possible ten game all conference schedule. And Steve Sipple from the Journal Star, one of our good friends, wrote a column discussing that thought, where um, you know the Big Ten just plays everybody plays ten league games, and that's it. And there's a Pac-12 col- columnist from San Jose. That wrote a nine plus one, nine conference games plus one, um, you know, team that could bust to your place for the other 10th game. But I get the 10 game thought because of the safety measures that the Big Ten schools are taking. And when you start playing group of five or FCS schools, they aren't taking probably the level of precautions that a Nebraska or Ohio State's taking because they don't have the money um, to to test and, and do all these protocols at the level needed where if you kept it within the Big Ten, you know what type of safety pro- uh, pro- uh, protocols teams are doing and going forward. So my question now is if you did go forward, say, with a 10-game schedule – would it be ten games over twelve weeks, and then you leave two weeks at the end for possible makeup games? I mean, I think there's a lot of good discussion on this, Robin. Um, when if, if if this indeed is the plan to move forward with a ten-game conference schedule.
3: Well, it makes a lot of sense to me in the sense that right now there's really no uh, governing body over how college football is addressing this thing to where. School to school, state to state, everyone is doing their own thing. And people are in much different circumstances, Um, you know, just like we are as a country. But, you know, with football programs around... Around the nation to where just because Nebraska seems to have things under control or Notre Dame, whatever it may be, there are other schools that are, you know, in a completely different situation. So by isolating a schedule to just a conference, you at least have an umbrella of, you know, the league office kind of supervising testing mandates. Exactly. So where there's a uniform protocol of how you go through that thing. And if that is probably the most important part to having any semblance of football this year is. There will be positive cases in every single football program around the country. It's how those programs handle those positive cases, how you isolate players, how you identify them, how you uh, minimize any exposure to, um, you know, the rest of your team. And by having, you know, a uniform guideline that is kind of uh, mandated by the, the conferences, that makes it much easier, at least pared down to where you're talking about. 10 to 14 teams as opposed to you know over you know 100 150 so that I think is a kind of logistically makes it a much more feasible solution than some of the other stuff that's been thrown out there yeah not only can you keep a better grip on you know how everything's being handled and
4: and how you're controlling everything but I think you know if you only have a 10 game schedule you're gonna have what three or four buys Mixed in. Well, there's already
2: so this is a two-by-week year. So it's this year normally it's twelve games in thirteen weeks. We are in a year with twelve over fourteen. So 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 you could essentially have two additional bye weeks to leave wiggle room for possible makeup games. Exactly.
4: So that's what I think. I mean, it gives you a lot more flexibility to to get the games in to to make sure that you know maybe make sure that you're being extra safe or whatever. You're taking extra precautions. You know, maybe if you're flying. A charter to Rutgers you know one week you you automatically have a buy the next just in case you know you something happens I, I don't know but anyway I, I do think that it, it gives you a little bit more flexibility there throughout the, the span of the season in case something pops up
2: yeah there's just so much to think about with this and obviously your perception of records if you just did 10 it, it, it almost takes on like an NFL approach where If you're six and four or seven and three, that's a pretty good year if you're playing 10 conference games. And, you know, to go 10 and 0 would be extremely difficult. I mean, Ohio State's probably the only team in the league that could do that. Um, You know, so yeah. And would there still be a Big Ten title game? Would there still be bowl games? Nobody knows those answers. Um, But I, I think the Big Ten has so much money at stake with Fox, with ABC, that they've got to get something ironed out because nobody can take this hit. Like financially, like when, when you start to look at what the impact it's going to have, um, you know, we've seen a lot of good people already lose their jobs at places like Nebraska. Imagine if, you know, if, if it's worse than that. So, yeah, there, there's, there's a lot, I think, that they have to look at uh, financially. And one thing I like about, say, it's a 10-game conference schedule, you provide, that would be essentially um, 70 Power 5 on Power 5 games um, on the inventory load, where normally you would only have 64, or excuse me, 63. Um, so that schedule in itself delivers more Power 5 versus Power 5 games um, for Fox than they normally would get. Um, and it's more attractive. You could essentially have five games a week for 14 weeks, all Power 5 on Power 5. Mm-hmm.
3: And so, you know, that I think addresses another issue to this is by eliminating your non-conference games, there's contract contracts involved there and a lot of money involved there for schools and athletic departments that are already kind of facing some budget crises that, uh, you know, what are they going to do with paying Central Michigan, Cincinnati, and South Dakota State? Uh, will the networks chip in with that? I mean, because they're actually standing to make a, a decent profit out of a potential 10-game schedule, will schools get some help from or at least a little more kickback from those networks to be able to pay off some of those contracts if they can't get out of them legally which i don't know how that's all going to work and i know in that that story wrote scott frost himself expressed that as a major concern you know and here's the other issue too uh that goes beyond money and beyond testing and all that stuff is You know the nine game big 10 schedule is already pretty grueling now you're talking about putting it to 10 games so you know there's a player safety issue involved there and that's why a decision on that needs to be made as soon as possible because you can't expect a bunch of guys to just kind of throw together some practices and go play 10 league games. I mean, there's going to be physical wear and tear where knee injuries, hamstring injuries, all that sort of stuff that, um, you know, are just kind of the the natural consequences of football will be added on to risks that go into uh, everything beyond COVID. So, I mean, there's a lot of things to deal with, but I think first and foremost, you got to find a way to play. And it seems like this is uh, the most realistic track to do that even if there are going to be some hurdles to clear along the way
4: yeah but one of my questions is if they do go to this you know would they start the season the same time they would have uh, it's already a
3: later
2: start this year yeah. September too
4: so I mean do you, do you start at the, basically at the beginning of September and have a you know a 14 week schedule or do you do you wait until towards the end of September to to pack everything in or you know how's that? How's that going to look? Um, you know, logistically, how are they going to space that out? Um, you know, but uh, yeah, to me, it seems it makes it probably makes the most sense. Um, yeah, you know, outside of everything <laughs> staying normal um, and playing out, you know, playing out the way that they were uh, supposed to play out, but at this point, it just it doesn't seem that that's you know going to be likely.
2: Yeah, can you start maybe a week later, and then. You would have essentially only one. Then move the Big Ten title game either a week later or two weeks later, and then you'd have maybe just one makeup date. Um, you know, I, I just think there's a lot of that type of discussion from a, a league level if that is the route they want to go to control their revenue to keep it in house. But then what happens? Like, how would you like to be Luke Fickle right now? You turned mm-hmm. down over five million dollars. To go to Michigan State, which I still think he should have taken that job. I do too. Um, I don't know why he wouldn't, because he ain't getting five million dollars next year. I'll tell you that much. No, because nobody's firing coaches and paying buyouts like they were this this you know in years past. Because everyone's down in the hole financially, and then on top of that, you might lose out on playing Nebraska, a game that could help your resume and your cachet. So, you know it. it Luke Fickle's probably one – I mean, maybe he's not, but in my mind, it's like, man, he he would have been walking into a gold mine financially at Michigan State.
3: Yeah, and so, I mean, that's going to have a ripple effect everywhere, just with the coaching.
2: Like Purdue plays Memphis.
3: Yeah, yeah. And so, like, I I mean, schools are going to – even if a guy uh, is already on the hot seat or whatever you want to call it and, um, you know, whatever season's played, they don't have the success, he's not going anywhere. Yeah, you're not paying out big buyouts. You're talking about people just axing like (laughs) – 30-year employees within your athletic department left and right and making these massive budget cuts and eliminating sports. So, I mean, as far as coaching movement goes on the carousel, it's going to be probably a, a shut down to a halt here over the next few, year or two. Yeah,
2: there's not going to be a lot of lottery tickets handed out in this offseason. Definitely eight.
3: not. Yeah, a lot of
4: that spending is going to be tightened tightened down quite a bit.
2: And, you know, I, I think somewhat that's a good thing. I mean, it was getting a little out of control yeah. when you're seeing coordinators – Make more than university presidents. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty nuts when you when you break it down. Just a little, yeah. you know. When offensive line coaches in the SEC are making eight hundred thousand, you know, and in some more, it, yeah, it's it's gotten out of whack. But guys, we are going to have football this weekend uh, in Carney. The Shrine Bowl kicks off, and it will be the first American played football game since COVID 19 hit in this country we're going to discuss what we'll be watching in that and more next
1: you're listening here to the husker online show this is huskeronline.com your authority on nebraska athletics and
2: we're back here on the husker online show sean callahan robin washett nate klaus and guys we will have football this weekend we will have football this weekend i mean think about that i know it's an exhibition all-star game but in carney nebraska uh, the Shrine Bowl will take place at 2 o'clock on Saturday. Um, it's a little bit different. Obviously, they moved the game later. It was supposed to be played the first Saturday in June. Um, it's going to be, obviously, moved here to mid-July. Uh, they've expanded rosters by eight players or so per team um, just for extra wiggle room. A number of the higher-profile Division I kids um, that were either Husker walk-ons or FCS recruits or group of five recruits have withdrawn from the game as well. Uh, because of just the COVID-19 restrictions um, where if they played in the game, like if a Husker guy plays in the game, they have to quarantine for 14 days before they rejoin Nebraska, and that would knock you out of, vol- uh, of the mandatory workouts or the organized workouts that begin on Monday of next week. But uh, talk to, we're going to hear from Ryan Thompson, um, one of the head coaches in the Shrine Bowl, the Ashland Greenwood head coach. We'll hear from him next. Um, but just to see football again played, I think there's going to be a lot of eyes on Kearney, Nebraska this weekend, just what it looks like and how this week has gone for the Shrine Bowl.
3: Well, if you remember when the first kind of wave of uh, you know, COVID hit back in the, the spring and Nebraska's high school basketball tournament was literally getting games <laughs> highlights aired on ESPN on SportsCenter, uh, it's going to be like that, but probably to the next level because of the implications this weekend and Nebraska's shrine game have on the the short term future of football coming up here. If they're able to do this without a hitch and you know play without any uh, major setbacks, uh, you know with this coronavirus stuff, that's going to be a great step forward because it is the first step forward to actually playing competitive football beyond you know really highly monitored practices and all that stuff I mean this will actually be a football game and it'll get national attention ESPN I guarantee you is going to show highlights of this game because like you said this is the first game that we've seen maybe since the Super Bowl and so uh the nation will be watching and everyone's fingers should be crossed that this thing goes as smoothly as possible it's a good game and uh there are zero setbacks that come out of it yeah it's just unreal to think about that the, the high school basketball tournament was
4: you know, on Sports Center. Yep. Linda Cohn is is talking about, <laughs> about about you know the Millard North you know back yeah. <laughs> Mustangs, and then now you're probably going to have the the Shrine Bowl making it on on ESPN, and uh, to you know to have that many eyes on Nebraska high school sports is is pretty cool. But but I, I totally agree. I, I do think if if this goes well, it really does bode well for um you know for for football and and really a lot of other organized activities going forward especially on the high school levels you know I think that's been there's there's been a lot of you know conflicting thoughts and you know you know different states are doing different things here uh that we've seen with especially with like baseball and and you know things like that but um, you know, heading into the high school football season, I, I do think if, if this goes well, um, you know, that helps maybe get that off the ground and running, too.
2: Yeah. You, know, you talk about Sports Center, Jack Dotsler from Roncalli. You know, he was one of the players featured in that Sports center highlight. Well, he's going to be in this Shrine Bowl game. Yeah, so, man. I mean, think about that. You're <laughs> you're a five nine, five ten NAIA athlete from Omaha, Roncalli. And you're going to be featured probably <laughs> on national yep. highlights twice over a five, six month period
3: pretty sweet so yeah I mean again that's why uh, I really really hope that this thing goes as smoothly as possible because for one I mean it's, it's a great spotlight on the state of Nebraska and an opportunity that no other uh, high school football player in the state has ever gotten uh, but also more so the impl- implications it has just on football I mean if this thing can go uh, the way that everybody hopes it does then suddenly I think people are going to start maybe taking a, a deep breath about all this that hey we can do this. Like, there's tangible evidence that we can actually play football this year.
2: Nate, and, and just looking through the rosters, here are some of the more high-profile kids that are still um, a part of the game. Sam Clarkson from Scotts Bluff. Jack Dotsler from Ron uh Treyon Fairgood-Jones from Omaha North um, is a part of the game. Caleb Fransel, um, from Grand Island, who's going to South Dakota State, uh, playing in the Shrine Bowl. Um, Elliot Hustad from Elkhorn South. Uh, Preston Kellogg from Papillion La Vista on the roster. Uh, Jack Paradis from uh, Elkhorn South. Um, Jalen Roussel, um, and I believe he's going to Iowa Western, right, Nate? Do you know where he's ended up? I, I thought that's where he was heading. Yeah,
4: I, I believe so, from Burke, the running back. Running back, Burke, yeah.
2: I'll be intrigued to watch him in this game, just kind of see where he's at uh, going forward. So it's not the roster that we saw in February. That's the North team. Now on the South team, um, Cameron Berry from McCook, very good high school player. Nate uh, Borricker from – did we get that right? From yeah. or, Aurora, the Titan. end? Yeah, tight Aurora, yeah. The, um, I always want to say Mark Richter. Remember the Kansas <laughs> yeah. City Chief yeah. Yeah. Um, from uh, Hastings, Nebraska? Um, I met him once, by the way, and, and I was like geeked out. I was probably the only guy that knew Mark Boericker was uh, when I met him out once in Kearney. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he's uh, he's in the roster as a Husker walk-on recruit. Uh, moving down the, uh, the South roster here, um, Abe, Ho- uh, Abe Hoskins, South Dakota State uh, recruit for Dan, a uh, former Dan Jackson guy before Dan J- Jackson left. J- Jet Jansen from Lincoln East, a Wayne State lineman. Um, so, you know, not a lot of uh, big time names um, across the board, Nate, but. Still a few guys, I mean, for a football fan like you or I, that you'll, you'll want to watch how this game turns out.
4: Yeah, I mean, those are names that, that you recognize from the – if you follow anything about the you know high school football season here in Nebraska, those are all names that, that you recognize. Um, and Bor-Kircher from from uh, Aurora, you know, being – he's the only Nebraska walk-on to – Uh, to really watch Uh, but he's an intriguing prospect uh, you know to kind of get your get your eyes on he's 6'5 215 pounds or so uh, tight end and and uh, you know pretty pretty uh, interesting prospect so you know I think that um, I think we're all kind of starved for football Uh, so that's you know maybe reason number one for for tuning in but number two is uh, to kind of see you know how, how a lot of these guys perform and Kind of, kind of get one last look at uh, you know a lot of these guys' careers that, that ended up being really, really good.
2: Well, we're going to hear from one of the head coaches in that game, Ryan Thompson. Nate and I did ask him um, ab- about Kale Jacobson, yeah. um, and you'll hear what he has to say on that as well. If he is a football guy, odds are probably basketball, but had a very interesting response about him, and as well as Ben Stilly, his former player. So uh, we're going to hear from Ashland Greenwood's. Ryan Thompson next, as he's one of the coaches in Saturday Shrine Bowl. The game is at two o'clock in Kearney at Ron and Carol Cope Stadium. At Foster Field, there. Um, and it's on NET. Uh, tickets are still available if you want to go. They're going to allow, I think, around 3,800 in, which is 75% capacity, uh, following the state guidelines, uh, which is about a normal size crowd. Uh, they're not having a band out there this year, and that usually brings quite a few people with the band and the band's families as well. Um, so, you know they're hoping to get over 3000 for this game and uh, I'm I'm going to be out there making the trek out to Kearney on Saturday morning looking forward to it but when we come back uh, we'll hear from Ryan Thompson who's one of the coaches in that Shrine Bowl on how that week of practice is going for him and just kind of what roadblocks or any have they faced uh, as they get ready for this football game on Saturday that's next you're listening here to the Husker Online Show <laughs>
1: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
2: And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan here, and I told you before the break we're going to check in at the Shrine Bowl as uh, a lot of eyes around the country are going to be on Kearney, Nebraska here because it will be the first game played uh, football-wise in this country, really, when when you get down to it. And um, a lot of people are going to be watching just how the week has gone and how the game obviously goes here because this is the the world we live in now, and uh, we're pleased to be joined by one of the head coaches Um, here in the Shrine Bowl that will take place in Kearney on Saturday. Ryan Thompson, uh, the head coach of Ashland Greenwood, um, former head coach of current Husker player Ben Stilley as well. But, Coach, first of all, thanks again for joining us. I know you are in the midst of a very, very busy Shrine Bowl week out in Kearney.
0: Absolutely. Appreciate you guys having me on. Um, Yeah, it's a busy week, but uh, I can tell you right now, uh, now that we're here, it's, uh, it's pretty special and it's fun back to be out on the field.
2: Yeah, just give us an idea of what the last several months ha- has been like for you. I was with you the day of the selection show in February, and that, that seems like years ago um, as the roster management and uh, just knowing if we were going to have a Shrine Bowl um, and you know, just different things that came up. How have you kind of gotten through the last several months just to know um, who was going to be on your team and kind of getting things ready for Saturday?
0: Yeah, you know, uh, num- number one, Dave McDonald and his Shrine staff has done a tremendous job of, you know, following guidelines, checking to see what could be opening up throughout each month, and uh, just playing it uh, as long as they could. And obviously, right now, it's paying off that, that we're able to get here, and, and as the state's kind of opened up, uh, been able to get here and get, get this thing kicked off. But it's been crazy. You know, we we tried to just kind of take it day by day, week by week. Um you know the tough thing. just you, it was the unknown. You didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't know when kids were going to have to report to their college. Uh, so you just kind of take it day by day, and and whatever comes your way, you handle it. Uh, because when we get to that game on Saturday, we want to put a put a good product on the field and help the shrine uh, the Shriners uh, out as much as we can.
2: And they've expanded the the roster size uh, just for this year uh, for a lot of reasons. Obviously the. Uh, the layoff mainly uh, for one of them. Um, How has that helped, and how many more players will you have? And and how do the players come back? I mean, a lot of these kids obviously haven't been able to compete in sports since basketball season ended back in March.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, we were able to uh, expand the roster by seven spots this year uh, because our concern was, you know, we're we're not sure what competition uh, ready they were going to be. We knew that July could be – you know 100 degrees 90 degrees and we're seeing some of those numbers now um so we just wanted to make sure what, what, that we could keep these kids as safe as possible so uh, you know we uh, were we're pretty pleased with what our kids are are uh, doing on the field after two days um you know they're they're getting their legs back under them but it looks like they've been working out you, you got to realize we got a lot of uh, talented kids we got a lot of kids that are very driven and they didn't spend a lot of time sitting around and, and moping around. They they were getting ready for their uh, college seasons. And uh, luckily, we get to we get to see them perform now.
2: We're joined by Ashland Greenwood head coach Ryan Thompson. He's one of the head coaches here in the Shrine Bowl game that will take place on Saturday at two o'clock in Kearney, Nebraska. Will be the first football game played in this country, uh, since COVID-19 hit and coach, I'm sure, um, you've had a lot of coaches probably already text you. How's it going? Um, and just from your perspective, does it just feel like football again to you or does it feel different with just some of the different precautions and measures that are probably going to carry over with maybe what you guys do, um, in the fall when you open up a uh, camp in August?
0: You know, uh, I, I feel once you cross those lines, it's, uh, it's been pretty football heavy. Um, that doesn't mean we're not, you know, taking care of each other. We're not uh, following rules. We, you know, we still, we still distance a little bit uh, when we can, uh, but when we need to get a team and, and get some uh, stuff done, uh, it seems like football, you know, uh, the Shrine and, and Tarney and, and UNk and K they all have uh, uh, some guidelines that we're going to follow. And I don't think they're too, too crazy of guidelines. You know, it's, it's common sense. It's, uh, distance when you can. It's make sure you keep yourself clean, keep the areas clean. Um, masks are available when we need them. Um, but once we cross those lines, it's been football for the first two two, two days.
2: How excited were the kids just to get out there? Because I'm guessing for a lot of these guys, this is the longest period in their life for you coaches too, where you've just kind of been shut down. And, and to get back out there and do what you love, um, I bet for a lot of these guys it was pretty fun.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it looks like everyone has a uh, hop in their step, you know, uh, coaches in, involved are, uh, are also involved with that as well. Um, you know, I, it, it just seems surreal. And then all of a sudden you blew that first whistle and it, it, everything just fall, it fell into line. These kids are working hard. Uh, they're having a great time. I, I think they're creating some pretty good memories already and, and friendships. And uh, to be, to be quite honest, they're going through something I'm hoping no one ever else will have to go through. So I think they're going to come out of here pretty strong. Um, I don't think we're going to have any problem getting them motivated each day to, to get back up after after uh, a long practice day. They, they've been locked in, and it's been fun to coach them so far.
2: Yeah, this is the first year as well that the camps have both been in Kearney. Usually Creed and uh, Nebraska Wesleyan here in Lincoln are the two host sites. What's it been like having both teams – in the same place uh, do you kind of see the other team around a little bit more obviously and i mean are, are you, do you do you cross each other um as you walk the practice field i mean uh, what's it been like being at, at at a new setup for the Shrine Bowl this year
0: yeah you know the transition's been seamless um you know everything has gone according to plan everything is is uh scheduled and you kind of just flow through your day um you know we're using two uh two practice sites here we're we're using Carney High and a uh, middle school, Horizon Middle School. So um, we we really don't see each other throughout the day. Maybe a few times in the um, dorms, across the pass, and breakfast. Uh, but really, it's it's your day's so busy. You got your kids doing so many things that, that you're kind of just involved with yourself still. So, uh, I, like I said, Dave and Dave and the city of Kearney and UNK and everyone has done a tremendous job of, of just preparing this thing and making sure these kids are going to have a great experience.
2: And when it's all said and done, Coach, it's all about the Shrine Hospitals raising awareness, letting people know what this is all about, and 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 why you're you're playing this game um, to to help uh, kids around the country, around the world, uh, have surgeries, um, and and that the shrine, the Shriners help make possible, um, you know, how, how are they changing that up this year? Um, just with, with, you know, with just the experience of that, obviously they don't go to the hospitals anymore, um, because, you know, it just doesn't work out to travel like it used to. Um, but what will you guys do with the kids this year out in Kearney?
0: Yeah. So we'll still hold a beyond the field experience where kids will be coming in coming into Kearney uh, and we'll be able to uh, spend an afternoon with them, get to know them, get to understand what the Shined, uh group does and, and how it works and the hospitals work. Uh, so really, I don't think anything's going to change. Like you said, they, they stopped doing flights for various reasons, I believe, six years ago. Um, and what I've heard from other coaching staffs is, is the experience has been uh, unbelievable. They get more kids involved. Uh, they get more hands-on. And I think it's just going to be a tremendous uh, opportunity for these kids, these players, excuse me, uh, to really understand what's going on. And, and, you know, one of the things that that the Shrine talks about, it's more than a a game. And uh, by the end of the week, uh, I I really hope these kids understand that and have a greater appreciation for the, the God-given gifts that they have.
2: Well, Coach, before you wrap it up here, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about Ben Stille going into his fifth year here at Nebraska, his final season, one of your former players there at Ashland Greenwood. What are you expecting out of Ben as he enters his final season here at Nebraska?
0: I Number one, I expect that guy to be a just a tremendous leader. Um, you can see it as, as he's grown um, and, and gotten older and more mature. He's just starting to take on that spot. I think he's really going to lead Uh, lead that D-line, lead that defense uh, in many ways, not just on the field. Um, And I I really think he's going to have a breakout year. Um, He he works hard and he's very unselfish, but I I think he's definitely going to help that line gel.
2: And Coach, you've got another special young athlete in your building, and a lot of people look at him as a basketball player, Cale Jacobson. But I've had some college football coaches say, you know what, this guy – could be a, a football division one prospect as well in your eyes is Kale Jacobson, a football prospect people should be watching. And where do you think he fits best at that next level? If he were a guy that chose football, say over basketball.
0: Yeah. You know, Kale Jacobson, he's just one of those regular gym rats. He's, he's a coach's son. He's just very, very smart at at everything he does. and um, You know, he has all the talent, all the physical tools and he's just getting uh, bigger and more mature, uh, you know, each year and, I believe that that guy. I know he loves basketball, and he's going to do a ter- tremendous job at wherever he goes. I wouldn't doubt that there are some uh, football programs that are going to take a look at him. I'm, you know, you're a four uh, kid. You know, starting to put weight on. You're, you're looking at a free safety. We're going to move him to quarterback. Uh, he was a tremendous receiver for us the last two years. So, very versatile kid. Um, and again, he's just he's just that just that player that they, you don't really have to spend a lot of time on. He's, he's going to get it done. So I would expect we see some some football coaches try to take a little uh, stab at him, but I know that his heart's pretty big into basketball.
2: All right, well, I had to ask. I'm a football guy, so I, I wanted to make <laughs> sure. But, uh, Coach, I know you're busy uh, with, the, with the week down there, managing um, all the players and coaches here as they get ready for Saturday's game. So we appreciate the time uh, you took, and we, we look forward to seeing you out in Kearney on, fr- on Saturday
0: absolutely we appreciate you guys checking in with us and and uh there's no doubt in my in my mind these 90 players and then these 12 coaches are going to put a pretty good product on the field on saturday that a lot of people can be proud of and and uh raise some awareness for the shrine
2: all right well that was ashlyn greenwood uh, head coach ryan thompson Uh, he'll coach one of the teams here in the shrine bowl on saturday at two o'clock two o'clock we'll take your questions next in the mailbag you're listening here to the husker online show
1: You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're
2: back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washad, as we're going to talk recruiting in our next segment. Husker's got another commit, number 12, and Nate Klaus is going to give us more on that. But it is time for the mailbag, as uh, lots of questions again this week. We're going to pull from the weekly Red Sea Scrolls chat. And first question out of the gates. I'll answer this one. I don't, know, I don't even need much of a follow-up, but when will camp start? Well, the calendar remains the same. Um, next week on Monday begins organized workouts. And then two weeks from that is when the mini camp begins. And then from that point on, August 7th is the first day of camp. And once you go into camp, you are allowed to have your team for as many hours a day as you want. So um, there, there's um, you know that, that's the schedule. That's the plan. Nothing's changed. Anything to add on that, guys?
3: All <laughs> right. <laughs> this is a question. You, you covered it.
2: For Nate. Looking at those 2022 in state prospects, give me your ranking list in order of most likely to least likely to commit. And they're all four stars. Micah Riley from Bellevue West, the four star tight end, Deshaun Woods, the four star offensive lineman from Omaha Central, and then four star outside linebacker, uh, Devon Jackson from Omaha Burke. Um, what are the chances for Nebraska? If you had to rank these three names in order,
4: yeah, I'll start with least likely to most likely. I think Devon Jackson at this point in time is probably looks to be like the hardest one out of the group to um, to get, and that's mainly just because you know he's he's not originally from Nebraska. Both of his parents played um, you know college sports at Illinois. Uh, Illinois, you know, his dad was a football player. His mom was was a really really good sprinter there um you know so there aren't he's not necessarily a you know a born and bred in-state kid um you know and and even those guys have become harder and harder to to lock down so that's going to be a battle that's going to be a big battle in my opinion uh then Micah Riley, um you know the 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 talented tight end out of Bellevue West I think that um there's there's a shot there but it's it's going to be tough as well And, and he's got some really really nice offers uh you look at you look at his offer list, and man, it—he it, exploded in the spring. He's got a ton of Big Ten offers. Um, you know, Arizona State, I know, is going after him extremely hard. So, uh, so that's not going to be easy either. And then, um, you know, I, I think Deshaun Woods, the offensive lineman from Omaha Central, uh, is probably the the most likely out of that group. Uh, but again, that's that's not a slam dunk. I, I won't sit here and say that that he's definitely going to be a Husker. Um, or or any of those guys that are going to be Huskers. I, I kind of feel for Barrett Rude because as the in-state recruiter, um, <laughs> you're, you're expected to, to to get the best each and every single year, but it has not been easy um, over these past few years since he's come back to the, to uh, to Lincoln. And let's
2: face it, those Omaha kids, Nate, are it's different. You know, I don't know if a lot of Omaha kids. Sit and sit with their entire families and have huge husker watch parties. I mean it's not like it was 20 years yeah, ago.
4: yeah it, the dynamics of it all has have completely changed and uh, you know it's not it's you know it used to be when you got a Nebraska offer you know whether you jumped on it immediately and committed right away, which a lot of guys used to do um, you know it, it was still kind of known that yeah you might go through the process but you'll probably end up in Lincoln that's just not the case anymore.
2: All right, moving on here. um, Question I'll take on this one. Is Jaden Francois on campus? Yes, he did get to Lincoln uh, on Monday of this week. There's only one scholarship player not in Lincoln right now. That is Australian punter Daniel Cherney, who is still waiting on his international travel visa, Robin. and, And you've got some insight on um, what could end up being kind of a mess with travel visas for interna- inter- international athletes, and that includes a lot of basketball players.
3: Yeah, so with, with basketball, obviously, they still also have two scholarship guys uh, waiting to come back and in Ivan Wajerogo in, in Paris, or France, I should say, and Thorier uh, Thorby in Iceland. And right now, it's just a holding pattern. You know, they're waiting for those travel restrictions to be loosened and to be allowed back into the country. And there's no telling when that's going to happen. But then, you know, the next layer to this is, uh, you know, the U.S. Immigrations and Customs Enforcement, otherwise known as ICE, uh, issued new guidelines earlier this week saying that international students that are here um, on visas, those visas would be void uh, if they're at a university that offers primarily, only primarily, uh, online courses. So, you know, if there's a school that goes strictly online, those visas are void and new uh, visas won't be reissued and essentially they'll have to be deported. And so right now Nebraska has six guys uh, on their, of their 13 scholarships that um, you know, hail from from it, other countries, and so that's something that is definitely going to be closely monitored uh, by Nebraska, and I'm sure programs around the country because the international influence on college athletics is as great as it's ever been, and there could be huge repercussions if this thing uh, continues forth the way it's set right now.
2: All right, question for everyone here: Has the Big Ten? We uh, how do you compare the Big Ten West to the Big Ten East? And, and if you took Ohio State out of it, I mean, how? Comparable, would you say the East is the West when you look at what Wisconsin's done, when you, well, Minnesota, what Iowa, and, and, you know, you've got teams like Illinois who can knock off of Wisconsin. You got Purdue's improved. You got Northwestern who just recently won the West. And obviously Nebraska is still the wild card. If Nebraska can get back to being quote Nebraska, then I think that conversation even intensifies that the West is the deeper division of the two.
3: Yeah. I think there's, I mean, there's no question in my mind. I think the big 10 West is significantly stronger top to bottom than the East, but the two best teams in the league are Ohio State and Penn State, and I think there's a pretty significant gap between two and three. uh So I mean, those two are the clear. Now Wisconsin,
2: though, last year beat Michigan, and they got the Rose Bowl bid. Yeah. And Minnesota beat Penn State.
3: Yeah, but so, no, no one well, per- no one predicted any of those teams. So all I'm saying is, just looking at it right now, just on the talent. On those respective rosters, uh, it's it's Ohio State, Penn State and everybody else. But when you take the collective divisions and the strength of those divisions, I got the West all day from top to bottom. Yeah,
4: the West has clearly closed the gap uh, quite a bit compared to three or four years ago. I think I think we can all agree on that Um, now the the upper echelon you know ohio state penn state i mean that's that's still there's still a pretty big gap there between uh you know those two programs and in the west but i mean i totally agree robin i think from top to bottom um the west is is kind of has become maybe more the the more impressive division in in the conference and and i think it's still trending upward I, i think that um, when you look at Minnesota, when you look at Nebraska, um, you know, Wisconsin is Wisconsin, Iowa is, is Iowa. They're, they're, you know, they're both steady programs. Uh, but you know, you've got some, you've got a couple programs, I think, that are up, on the upward trend here or will be here, uh, you know, over the co- next couple years.
2: I get this question a lot, guys. Um, and it's kind of your, your diehard 90s fan that will ask this question from, you know, do they have the Unity Council still? Is the yeah. Unity Council still a part of the program? And what happened to it? And you know, they do have a form of the Unity Council. They have players in each grade, each position group, that have leadership over certain areas of workouts and the program and the off season, etc. So, is it called the quote leadership council? No. But they still have something in semblance, Nate and Robin, to what it was at one time before.
3: Yeah, I know. Last year they were talking about that they had it. So I mean, they've. I mean, it's no secret that it's around, but they haven't like publicized like the entire list of players that make up that Unity Council, Leadership Council, whatever you want to call it. But it's still in full effect, and you know, I think especially now more than ever, uh, that's a pretty valuable thing to have as a football program.
4: Yeah, I like the fact that it, they haven't you know talked it up or publicized it a whole lot keep it in-house yeah keep it keep that it in-house we don't need to know who's on it how many how many players are on it or you know um you know, how effective they're you know it's it's being I, I think that um the fact that they've got one now there that there are quite a few players on it are good signs um you know and, and i think that you know i think slowly but surely we can all agree that the culture has has gotten to the point now where um, and if Frost has always talked about this since he's gotten here, the, the players need to police the players. You know, if, if a problem gets to the coaches, um, you know, that's, that's a, a pretty big deal. Uh, it needs, you know, the, the little issues need to be taken care of by the players. And, and I think that, you know, the program's kind of starting to get back to that.
2: All right, final question. Um, don't have anything light to end on, but biggest concern, we got a question in the chat this week is without a doubt the D-line slash outside linebacker your biggest concern going into the year? And for me, that is my concern. I think the offense has the pieces in place. Um, The O-Lions veteran, they've got better receivers coming in the program. Tight ends are back. They've got a running back back. They got quarterbacks back. I think of all the position groups, to me, there's no doubt OLB, D-line is the big question for Nebraska going into 2020.
3: Yeah, I mean, just looking at the roster, that's definitely the choice. You know, there are other factors that might have uh, pretty significant implications like will adrian be adrian can he stay healthy and if he can that obviously uh has a pretty good ripple effect on everything else that goes with nebraska's offense so uh, i mean there's there's other things that you can make an argument for the inexperience at wide receiver i mean that that's another thing to look at but uh, just looking at the depth chart and looking at the names at those two uh, you know, position groups, I'd say that's pretty obvious. Though that's probably the biggest concern.
4: Yeah, I, I would agree. I think those are the two biggest concerns. And, and not because they're absolutely void of talent. Uh, I think there is talent there. But at this point, it's it's mainly unproven talent. You've, you've got... Um, You know, you've got a lot of projecting um, or what guys could possibly do uh, at those positions. Uh, Now they just need to go out and do it.
2: All right, Nebraska picked up a new commitment from Ladarius Webb Jr. Uh, We're going to get Nate Klaus's thoughts on that and more next. You're listening
1: here to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
2: Final segment here of the Husker Online show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus. The segment brought to you by our good friends at Kugler Vision. Nate Klaus, it's been almost a year since you picked up that 2020 vision here in the year 2020 from kugler vision tell us the latest and greatest uh, coming out of kugler vision
4: well yeah it has been almost a year uh, I'm still extremely happy with uh, with my vision correction and, and I'll tell you what you know right now we're in some strange times people are wearing masks and, and people have glasses and you now you're coming out of an air-conditioned building going outside and um, I've, I actually had a family member who was complaining about, uh, this past week and they are complaining about their glasses fogging up when they come outside and they have to wear their mask. And, uh, you don't have to deal with that. If you go into, to kuglervision.com, uh, take their easy to, to, to fill out quiz to find out what kind of vision correction you qualify for is best for you. Uh, and set up that free consultation, uh, with Dr. Kugler, Dr. Stunts there. Um, and, and they can take all those hassles away for you. Um, you know, it's, it's less than, uh, 60 seconds per eye, and you're, you've you got perfect vision. So I, 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 I encourage you to go to CoolerVision.com to do that.
2: All right, Nate. Nebraska picks up uh, another commitment here, number 12. And uh, they're quietly moving up that commit list, getting more and more by the day. But uh, Ladarius Webb, Jr., a cornerback out of Alabama that's going to play his high school ball in Jackson, Mississippi this year. His father, Ladarius Webb, Sr., played with Travis Fisher in the NFL for a number of seasons.
4: Yeah, yeah, his dad played in the NFL for, I think, nine years. Won a Super Bowl with the Ravens um, and really was was a big fixture on that defense. One of the best defenses in the league for a number of years. So, um, And he was a return guy and everything. So uh, Ladarius Webb Jr. is one of those players that Eric Chenander actually came across. And, um, you know, last would have been last season. Um, and, and they, you know, he had the film, had, uh, had Travis Fisher watch it this past winter. Um, and they were planning on getting out there in the spring to, to see him in person uh, before offering. But, uh, you know, they were recruiting him. Fisher actually watched the film without, you know, you know, I guess knowing who he was. And he's like, I like this kid. Who is he? And, and Chenander told him who he was. And he's like, really? I, I think I know his dad. I think I played with his dad in the NFL. And so that's kind of how it all kind of started. Uh, but he, the, he was fl- flying under the radar and I think this spring was going to be big for him to to be evaluated by the coaches to for coaches to come out and see him in person to, to watch him in spring football but obviously that didn't happen and so uh, he continued to kind of fly under the radar but Nebraska has been recruiting him for several months now and building that relationship and um, well he's been training with his dad each and every day now for the past you know three or four months ever since he moved to to Mississippi maybe longer than that now but um, and he's, he's made significant strides. And Nebraska finally saw enough, uh, you know, f- from the videos, the training workouts and everything to go ahead and offer, um, you know, without needing to see him in person, without uh, needing to see senior film. And, um, you know, they've established that rapport. And, and, and he decided to jump on that offer. He's very excited about it. And i tell you what, he's 5'10", 170 pounds, a little on the smaller side. But uh, he, he's very physical. Um, and he is so fast, so quick, um, and has all the skills that, that Travis Fisher likes. You know, it's versatile defensive back. He could play corner, nickel. Um, in high school, he plays some safety, too. I mean, he, he really fits the mold of what Nebraska likes, especially what Travis Fisher likes in that back end, especially with how physical he plays. He's
2: actually the smallest defensive back Travis Fisher has signed or got a commit from. Uh, I think Noah Paula Gates was the only defensive back Fisher has signed um under six foot tall
4: well Ronald Delancey is under six foot tall um he might be listed at At six six foot foot. but he's He's not he's he's probably closer to 5'10 than he is to six foot uh let's call him 5'11 but I think between Delancey and Webb Jr they're they're both pretty similar in stature uh, but they have and, – and when you look at that size and you look at their traits, their skill sets, they have almost identical skill sets. They're both and, – and it starts with how physical they are. Um, you know, Ladarius Le- 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 told me l- last night, you know, when he committed, he said uh, – um, he goes. Nebraska's getting a dog. He's like, I'm physical out there. I don't care. You know, I, I will. I will hit you. And and I think that's the type of mentality that, that Travis Fisher wants out of all his defensive backs, but especially you know if, if you're a little under, undersized.
2: You're listening here to the Husker Alliance Show, Nate. And you, you look at the run of commits. Um, Ladarius Webb is Nebraska's sixth commit since May 29th. Their ninth commit since uh, April 27th when Branson Yeager ended really what had been a a three-plus-month drought of commits. Um, So, you know, a a nine-commit drought really since May 1, let's call it. I mean, it's been a nice run. Uh, Latrell Neville, we didn't even get to that one. Um, Four-star receiver that announced on July 4th. We kind of knew this one was coming uh, for a while, but he he wanted to have some meeting with the announcement. Um, but the run itself, it's been pretty
4: impressive. It has really been impressive, especially when you look back. And I always kind of try to compare, uh, you know, each class to, to the previous year's class. You know, how, how things are coming along, kind of gauge the numbers. And, you know, Nebraska didn't get their fourth commit until June 23rd last wow. year. Wow. And so you kind of put that in perspective, considering that they didn't have the, all their junior days. They didn't have the spring game. They didn't have uh, the spring evaluation period or their camps, the big you know, Friday Night Lights camps. They didn't have any of that this year. So uh, when, you, when you consider all that and you look at the run that they've been on and, and the type of players that they're getting, Um, yeah I I think it's pretty impressive I I really like this class from top to bottom and I think there's a number of players here that we're going to see move up the rankings too I think there's uh, probably five or six guys that I think I could make a case for that get bumped up at least a little bit. Um, you know, maybe from a from a five-six three star to a five-seven, or from a five-seven to a four star. Um, Who's yeah.
2: that? Is like Will Schweitzer one of those yep, guys? Schweitzer
4: is one of those guys. Um, Patrick Payton. Yeah, Patrick Payton for sure. I think he's a I think he's a surefire four star type of talent. Um, you know, there's uh, there's a number of players that. Um, Henry Litovsky, I think, could, should be in the in the conversation as being a, a four-star offensive lineman uh, with how big and athletic he is. I mean, uh, I think you can make a case, like I said, for, for a number of these guys to to move up their rankings. Um, you know, hope, hopefully it happens. Uh, you know, when when some senior film comes out. But uh, like I said, I really like the class from from top to bottom. I think they're meeting their needs and it's going to be interesting here since it is going to be a smaller class what happens as that space starts to tighten up i think there's going to be a lot of players that may be on the fence here uh that like nebraska but maybe holding out um you know delaying that that decision a little uh, i think they might be forced to, to go ahead and jump in the boat or, or make a decision here soon
2: and nate i'm looking at the team rankings right now nebraska's at 32 they didn't really move up much but man they're a commit away, like let's say Burkhalter commits, the three-star outside linebacker, a 5.7 three-star out of mm-hmm. Alabama, and maybe one more. They would go like from 32 to almost 20 or 22 pretty yep. quickly. I mean, that's how thin that I, – I think, and we talk about this every year, after that top 10, really that 15 to 35, it's a small razor line that separates those teams in the rankings.
4: Yeah, there's a lot – I mean – Two four-star commits could could jump you from thirty-two to like eighteen or nine or seventeen. I mean, it's it's not it's not a big um, difference there. I mean, it's it's a player or two away from making a, a big jump up the rankings and. Um, you know and, and, and you do that plus you factor in a couple guys that may be in line for for bumps in the rankings all of a sudden you're talking a top 20 class so I know some people are still kind of looking at that number number 32 in the country geez you know uh, that's not that great you know or that's you know not what they've been doing I, I think that by the time the dust settles here we're going to see Nebraska you know right, right near what they have been in that top 20 ranking and um, and I tell you with, with Ladarius Webb kind of being a little bit of a surprise or at least an under the radar guy who just got an offer about a week ago um, I think that we're, there's gonna be probably another surprise or two that that are coming uh, eventually as well what's a 5.7 worth again is it 75 points or 90 90 points 90 points so 90 yeah points. like let's
2: just say Nebraska got a 57 um, they would essentially move up in the rankings to number 26, 25, yep. just with one more commit. So, I mean, that's where they're at right now. They're kind of – they've caught There's back – kind of a log
4: jam there. They've There's... caught
2: back up to the pack, yep.
4: and now it's making that next move to get ahead of the pack. Yeah, before Latrell Neville committed, they were at number 39 in the country. And so Neville's commitment – he's a four-star receiver. Um, he bumped them up to number 33, I think. And then um, and then Webb, I think, moved them up to 32 like
2: iowa and wisconsin i mean they got off to great starts early they're they're 12 and 13 in the rankings right now which you know that's not been the norm for how they recruit so it is impressive when you look at the conference ohio state's one in the nation michigan's six right now iowa 12 wisconsin 13 how about rutgers at number 17 greg sciano But
4: look how many commits they have 21 yeah so they're they're they have they're they're gonna they're gonna drop down the rankings quite a bit and no four stars yep you
2: got Minnesota at nineteen right now, but they have also two more commits in Nebraska or three more commits in Nebraska. So
4: Yeah, all the teams that that typically don't recruit ahead of Nebraska or end up ahead of Nebraska in their rankings, all those teams have more commitments than Nebraska does.
2: Alabama, for example, is at number eighteen. They only have ten commits. Yeah. So I mean, we know that's gonna change. Notre yeah. Dame Notre Dame's at twelve. Um, yeah, you're you're gonna see a lot of teams. Now Ohio State, no one's gonna argue. They're gonna have a top three class i mean they have
4: three five stars in their class i believe 12 four stars yeah that's (laughs) just ridiculous they're they're recruiting on a whole another level right now because look at the difference between ohio state at number one and and you know whoever is at number two right now is the lsu i mean there's like i think i want to say there's a 400 it's
2: a 440 point gap from one to two
4: yeah that's that's a monster gap
2: and they have 15, four, and five stars. The next closest team in America is 12. Yeah. So they have a really sizable lead in the rankings. That's, that will change, but lots to follow. Um, always commit news that could break. Sometimes that it happens when we don't know. Um, there's going to be coverage this weekend as well. Nate's going to go down to Salina, Kansas, uh, possibly with Greg Peterson as well, uh, to bring coverage of Jake Sharp's performance combine event, uh, which will feature over 400 attendees. Uh, I'll be at the Shrine Bowl Saturday in Kearney. So make sure you're on HuskerOnline.com.
1: Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.